Secret Satan. A seasonal murder mystery in 24 episodes. Written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Millington. Chapter 4. Now, where are we? I've introduced the story and the setting and introduced the players, or at least given you some names and roles. Oh, no, one more person, I'm afraid. Very afraid. Our department has not always been on the fifth floor rear. Until very recently, we were on the tenth, at the front. This is because our department manager then was a woman we called the Duchess. This was not just for her imperious manner and stentorian voice, although she was also known to some members of the team as loud noises, but also for her ability to order people about and get things done. She was like one of those medieval she-wolves who carved up Europe between them and behind whose banner we dutifully marched like the grateful and loyal peasants we were. It was the Duchess who made sure we had desks by the window with a view of London rooftops around us, close to a kitchen point and handy for the loose. Woman was a marvel which is what doomed us. I mentioned the Peter Principle last time, didn't I? The idea that anyone half-talented in an organisation will always get promoted, which means they will eventually end up in a position to which their talents do not suit them, which means they will no longer be promoted, and there they will stay. Well, embedded in this is the idea that anyone good at their job will inevitably be promoted out of it, which is what happened to the Duchess, She has begun her inevitable ascent to running the Holy Roman Empire or being Queen of the Moon or whatever terrifying thing she is going to end up doing and we were left leaderless, but not for long. Not nearly long enough. The Peter Principle is merely one way of explaining why so many managers are terrible. I wish to suggest an alternative. I call it the Sweet Spot. This is because it is named after me, Linus Sweet, but also because it describes me, Linus Sweet. Management is like any other role in a company. There are more people who want to do it and get jobs doing it than are actually good at it and should be doing it. Actually, this is largely true of humanity as a whole. Most people are not very good at being people, but thankfully most of them are vaguely aware of this and keep their heads down, hoping that no one will notice, which they won't because the people we notice are the ones who are either very good at being people or very bad. In fact, it's usually the latter because the people who are bad at being people rarely know they're bad at it and so are staggeringly awful and highly noticeable. Anyway, the problem is that these managers are often in charge of the people who actually do the work, the ones who make widgets or answer phones or file forms or whatever it is, but if these managers are bad, they tend to get in the way of the work. They frustrate the workers, the production and the company's bottom line, but what to do with them? They're actually doing their job, which is managing. And as long as they're not actually embezzling, abusing or assaulting, then there's very little you can fire them for. The answer is promotion. Get them up, out of the way, into middle management, where they can't actually muck about with the real work, but where they can't actually muck about with the functioning of the company either. Get them somewhere where they can sit in meetings all day, giving each other presentations, and no one who actually does anything needs to know they've even been in the office, not until they retire. This explains, for instance, why so much of senior corporate management is ineffectual and interchangeable. That is entirely their role. They have been parked in a sweet spot, out of everybody's way. It also explains how I came to be a team manager of a team of one, myself, Linus Sweet, the original sweet spot. It also explains our new department manager. We didn't believe it at first, 
No, he's not, I said. No one's called that, insisted Lem. He is, said Ali. Our new head of department is going to be someone called Richard Balls. Lem wasn't having it. No one is called Dick Balls. I thought she said Richard, said Radu. Dick is short for Richard, I said. You can't call our manager Dick Balls, said Ned. That's his name, said Lem. He insists on Richard, said Ali. I bet he does, I said. This is not good. It's bloody amazing, said Lem. Dick Balls? No, it's not. It's terrible, I said. Imagine the kind of parents who would call their son Richard Balls. Monsters, said Sue. Now imagine what kind of child such monsters would raise. I said, imagine a schoolboy called Dick Balls with such awful parents. Imagine what kind of adult he might grow into. Imagine what kind of manager he might become. Oh, God, said Edie. Exactly, I said. Not good. Terrible. I'm very used to being wrong. In the wrong is where I usually am, and I've got used to it. I'm quite comfortable there. I know where everything is. It's familiar. Because of this, when I am right, I feel unusual and unhappy, especially when I'm right like this. Our department created the perfect sweet spot. It had been well set up by the Duchess and was well managed by Ali. Its job wasn't terribly important, but it did it reasonably well. It wasn't public-facing and it didn't make any ripples. It was a good place for a terrible manager, a place where they couldn't do too much damage and where it might take them a while to do it. I'm sorry to say that I was right about Richard Balls. He was a truly terrible manager, and he set about trying to do as much damage as he could right away. He arrived in the department on the 30th of October and proceeded to usher in a truly horrific Halloween by moving us all immediately to the rear of the fifth floor, a move, it transpired, he had organised solely because there was an office there he could commandeer for himself so that he didn't have to sit with the rest of the team, a fact for which we simultaneously despised him and for which we were grateful because we now despised him. But that's not to say that he wasn't worried about where we were sitting. The moment we found out where we were moving to, Ali rushed up there and scoped it out and then organised a ballot for the seats, which is how I ended up as far from the one window you could get and how Lem ended up right next to it. Not that he got the window seat, because Richard Balls had not finished dicking about with us yet. He'd not even started. The one person on our team with whom he did seem to get on with was Tony Flint, our programmer, as they quickly bonded over their shared interests of cars and sexism, so it really shouldn't have been a surprise when we arrived on the fifth floor to find that Dick had rearranged the seating to give Tony the window. If Lem had had his way, this murder mystery would have begun in November, and it wouldn't have been a mystery. Instead, he had to content himself with the printer. I was the one who discovered it because, as it turned out, Richard Balls also didn't want to share the department printer with the rest of us, so had had a printer installed in his office. A wireless printer. An unsecured wireless printer on the office network. A printer, in other words, that he was sharing with us. He just didn't mean to. I discovered it, but it was Lemuel who used it first, printing out an A4 colour picture of former Shadow Finance Minister Ed Balls. We could hear Dick through his closed office door. Ed Balls, he yelled. What? I didn't print Ed Balls. Why are you printing Ed Balls? It, of course, became a tradition. Every time we got another fatuous email about brand vision or noise levels in what he liked to call the studio, we sent another image to his printer. Dick Van Dyke, 
Why is Dick Van Dyke printing? I love Lucy. What is this? It was a petty and fruitless revenge, but it would do for now. You have been listening to Secret Satan, a workplace mystery presentation in 24 slides, written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Millington. Our music is Holiday Weasel by Kevin MacLeod from filmmusic.io and our illustrations are by Jamie Lenman, who you can find at jamielenman.com. Our Christmas stories are on Spotify, YouTube and Substack and you can find links to all of these on our website, christmasstories.co.uk or you can subscribe on your podcast app. Wherever you listen, please take time to rate and review and make sure you don't miss the next episode of Secret Satan.